When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva, and welcome to November. The year is really flying by. I mean... I have to say, I think this is the first year in, I don't know, 10 to 20 years that I don't have extreme anxiety over the weather getting cold. And I think this is why. So I have a plan to be spending our winters, the Northern Hemisphere winters in Australia. So like technically I wouldn't get to experience a winter anymore because in Australia it's summer when it's our winter. So like my long-term plan is to do like December to May in Australia and then the rest of the time in New York City. Now I'm not going to be doing this this year because I can't bring my dog. And she's old, like she's very old. So I just want to soak up every minute that I can with her because it could be her last winter, right? But I have this plan in place. And so I'm like, I don't think, like because I know that me experiencing winters is like on its end, like this could be the last real winter that I have to endure, I'm not freaking out like I usually do about the impending doom that is the winter months. And instead, I'm kind of excited to have a Christmas in New York. Like Christmas is quite magical in New York. And, you know, it it could be my last one. So, yeah. Anyway, moving right along. (laughs) A lot of people DM'd me after last episode about the parsley of it all. Now, if you didn't listen to last episode, I mentioned that I bought parsley supplements because basically I have a suspicion that they could get rid of body odor. And I have an update. I think they work. I think, I think I'm going to update you more next week because I think it's one of those things that needs a bit of time, but I'm telling you, I think they work. Like the other day, Well, today I showered for the first time in like two days. And this morning when I woke up, I was like not stinky. Like I smelled my armpits and they were not stinky. And then I showered. But the thing is like two days ago or whenever I last showered, (laughs) I um, put on deodorant. But like lately, I haven't been wearing a whole lot of deodorant. And so this morning I showered, I got ready um, and I did not put on deodorant. And then I went out to run errands and wait, I'm going to do a quick sniff test right now. 
No, like it's, it's, it's not like I, I have a smell, like I smell like myself, but it's not bad. It's just a, it's just a smell, like a normal human smell. I don't know. I'm telling you, I think it works, but again, don't buy the parsley supplements yet. Let me continue testing this out for you. And I'll report back next week. I'll report back the week after. I'm going to report back all the fucking time on whether I think this truly, truly works or not. But so far, I'm here for it. Okay, so I went to run some errands today, as I mentioned. And I actually like ended up sweating a tiny bit because I was just overdressed for the weather. Like right now in New York, it's like one day it's full winter. One day it's summer. Like I never know what the fuck to expect. Anyway, so I'm running errands and I go into this little pharmacy in the East Village and I was buying a travel-sized hair gel. Really important detail. Um, actually, <laughs> what might interest like one person <laughs> is I don't use hair gel in my hair. I use hair gel in my eyebrows. I use a specific brand that has a very strong hold and I use like a toothbrush, like a manual toothbrush, and I brush the hair gel into my eyebrows and I just kind of brush them up towards the sky. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I'm in this pharmacy and they actually have a sample size of the hair gel that I want, which amazing, like who would have thought? And at the counter, they had this like fish bowl filled with condoms and it said free condoms. And it took me back to college where like anywhere you went, you could get like free condoms all the time. And I remember in sorority stuff, we'd like use them in silly ways, although I'd like for the life of me, can't remember what we used to do with all these condoms, but I just remember we'd grab them by the handful and quote unquote, use them in silly ways. Couldn't tell you, like truly do not remember what we were doing with them. That was so silly or like funny, but who knows? Anyway, and I was like, oh, I should grab some condoms. And then I was like, bitch, why? When was the last time you used a fucking condom? Like, I don't even remember what condoms look like. Like, I don't like, <laughs> like they're they're wet, right? Like they come lubricated, like barely remember. And I've been thinking about this, like in the beginning stages, the early stages of my sexual career, I was using condoms consistently all the time, like never missed. And then something happened during my seven-year celibacy. And then when I came back to sexuality, never used a condom, not once. I like literally like how to how what is a condom? Like that's where I'm at now. And I'm thinking about this and it's like, is it just me or is it a thing? Like, are people using condoms anymore? Because I have to say, when I came back to having sex, it's not like I was like, oh no, fuck the condom. No one even talked about condoms. Like, I don't, I'd like, I, like, are people still using condoms? I need to know. Or is it like an age thing because you're a lot more fertile in your early 20s or like, generally probably like more promiscuous. There's more of a chance of like getting infections. Now I will say I stopped using condoms before the celibacy. It was actually with my last boyfriend before I went celibate for seven years. I was on the pill. So we just didn't use condoms. Oh, and also my boyfriend before that. Again, I was on the pill. So we just didn't use condoms. 
Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I was on the pills. I didn't use condoms and then came out of seven year celibacy. I was still on the pill, didn't use condoms. That was with the comedian. And then I quit the pill while I was with the comedian. But like, it's not like I was getting my period. I had an eating disorder, yada, yada. So like, uh, yeah, I just wasn't getting my period. Um, so I didn't really worry about getting pregnant. And I guess I was just like playing it fast and loose with STDs. And I have to say, I've never had an STD, like not to brag. And I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. I will say like amongst my friends, do I say I will say a lot? I feel like I just said I will say like a shocking number of times. Like, should we turn it into a drinking game? Because I thought I say um a lot, but it sounds like I say I will say a lot. And now I've just said the word say thousands of times. Okay. I do know that like probably over 50% of my friends have had STDs. Like I think like chlamydia, like who hasn't had chlamydia other than me? But I didn't have sex for seven years in my 20s. So I didn't have ample opportunity to get chlamydia. But like nothing to be ashamed of. I just have never had one. Okay, this is getting like kind of cringe. Why am I talking about this? I'm just curious, are people still using condoms? And I did a quick Google because, you know, she's a reporter, she's a journalist. And I came across several articles with titles that varied around the general theme of like, this is why people aren't using condoms anymore. And I did kind of skim the articles. Um, They were honestly like really boring and there was like really no consensus as to why people aren't using condoms. It's just like, okay, I want to know, do you use condoms? And if no, why not? Like, is it like, were you using condoms before and you just stopped? Are you kind of like in a committed, like, here's my thing. I'm in a committed relationship, but even before we were committed, we didn't use condoms, but nevertheless, right now we're in a committed relationship and, um, I, I'm, you know, on top of my cycle, we just kind of avoid P and V when I'm ovulating. Um, he does pull out the rest of the time, except for like when I'm on my period, then he doesn't pull out. This is so much more detail than anyone ever asked. Like, in fact, no one has asked for this topic at all. And I'm just like, oh, let me let me really go off. Okay, he doesn't pull out when I'm on my period because it's just, it's, it's so far. It's the furthest point from ovulation. There is no point. Um, this, by the way, is not sexual wellness advice. I'm just sharing what I do. And then, you know, if like I'm in my follicular or my luteal phase, he'll pull out. If I'm in the ovulatory week, we generally just don't do P and V. Um, so that's kind of how we avoid that overall. Cause I don't think pulling out when you're like right around ovulation is a good call. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I would not use that as your form of birth control if you're trying to not have a child. But then on top of it, I'm 34 years old. I didn't get my period for 10 years because of an eating disorder. I just don't know that I'm like the most fertile girly and I need to be over here like stressing about not getting uh, getting pregnant. Like most of my friends my age who started trying to have babies have been having a harder time even getting pregnant. So like like, why should I stress that much about it? I guess is my thought process, but I'm actually going to be talking about fertility in a minute. 
Anyway, just curious. Hit me up in the DMs. Let me know if you use condoms or not. And if not, why? I I just, I want to know what happened. Like, is it just my perception? Is it my age? Or am I correct that we as a society are not really using condoms anymore? Okay, so I actually really wanted to like not get into 35 tangents before getting into the content this week because it's a Q&A episode and there are so many good questions and I just want to try to get through as many as I can. But I do want to touch on one last thing before I get into it. And thank you so much for, to those of you who DM me and said that you really do enjoy my tangents. I really appreciate it because I was like really feeling kind of insecure based on like this one person just being so unhinged and like commenting on every single medium she could find, like podcast review, like on Spotify comments, um, fucking on TikTok. Like she was just like really going off in every medium that she could find being like, why aren't you getting to the point faster? And I don't understand why if you don't like something, you can just like quietly not like it like people have been doing for millennia instead. Like now all of a sudden it's like, I have an opinion and it has to be heard. But I was um, looking through TikTok the other night and there was this woman that put out this TikTok that I thought was really interesting and I just want to share this story. So it's um, a Nigerian folk tale about um, the animal kingdom. And, you know, the lion has long been the king of the animal kingdom, as you know, you might know from a very popular movie called The Lion King. And... <laughs> So, you know, the lion's long been the king and then all these animals, I was about to say people, but like whatever animals, I guess, in the folktale go up to the elephant and they're like, you should be king. And the elephant's like, no, nah, I'm not interested. And they're like, no, like you should be king. Like you're big. You're, you know, a force to be reckoned with. You, you know, play games. You have a very matriarchic can't say that word, <laughs> like a uh, community, you know, yada, yada. And they like keep blowing smoke up this elephant's ass. Like you should be king. You're the best. You're the best. You're the greatest. You're the biggest. You should be king. You should be king. You should be king. And the elephant starts to soften to the idea because like, you know, it's just being showered with like, you should be king. You should be king. You should be king. And as the elephant starts to soften, then all these same animals run to the lion and they're like, hey, the elephant wants to be king. Like how like <laughs> presumptuous of the elephant. I mean, you've always been king. Like you're the majesty. You roar like a massive cunt in you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I know nothing about lions. You know, you're the symbol for one of the best signs in the human zodiac, the Leo. And, you know, you have a cute little tail that's all skinny and has a little poof at the end. And the males have just this stunning mane. And, you know, a very, very, very popular Disney movie was made about your species. I mean, you, you deserve to be king and like, fuck the elephant who thinks it can be king. I'm really like butchering this folktale like I'm just waiting for someone to be like this is really not how the story goes but anyway this is my recollection of it and so there the animals to the lion are like don't worry like we'll handle it and then they go back to the elephant and they're like 
will handle making you king. And so they set up this event and they dig a hole into the ground and cover it with all this pretty fabric. And then they it's it's supposed to be like a praising the elephant kind of event. And so they bring the elephant and they walk the elephant in. They're like, look, we made this special area for you with all the pretty fabric. And so the elephant, you know, just like blinded by all the praise that it's getting, didn't notice that it's a trap, goes and falls into the hole and they kill the elephant. And the takeaway from this story is that you want to take both compliments and criticisms with a grain of salt. And I have to say, I've heard this from um, some reality stars. <laughs> And they say like your favorite person on a reality show is never as great as you think they are. And your villain on the reality show is never as bad as you think they are. And so I guess the theme is um, take everything with a grain of salt. Like don't let people get to your head, whether they're praising you or they're criticizing you, because like you have to be in charge of your own sense of self-worth. Like you, how you feel about yourself should not come from anything that anyone is saying about you, whether it's good or bad. Like you should be self-fulfilled. You should be, your sense of self-worth, your sense of everything should come from within you because everything else you can't control and people are fickle. And we live in a time where people are able to give each other feedback like never before. And people act psychotic on the internet. Like people act in ways that are like unheard of in all of human history. There was recently this thing, um, I saw it on TikTok because like I'm not on Twitter, but like this woman tweeted something. In fact, hold on, let me find her exact tweet so I don't f fuck this up. Okay, woman, Twitter, what is it? Like backyard husband. Let's see. <clears throat> I think this is the article. Yes. Okay. This woman tweeted, my husband and I wake up every morning and bring our coffee out to our garden and sit and talk for hours every morning. It never gets old and we never run out of things to talk about. Love him so much. Pretty like, I don't know, like who gives a shit normal kind of tweet, right? If I saw that, I'd have been like, cool. I don't know you nor your husband, so I kind of don't give a fuck. I mean, I do think it's interesting that you never run out of things to talk about. And I, I think that's great. Like, how long have you been married? Like, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, You know, I like to picture them as being like very old and they've been doing this for like 30 to 40 years. And it just like brings me so much hope that like these people are just so in love. Although looking at this article, they're actually 24 and 25 years old. So like, yeah, no shit. You haven't run out of things to talk about. Like you've barely lived. How long have you known each other? <laughs> anyway, that is not what this is about. People started freaking the fuck out at this tweet. So some of the responses, I mean, they're like psychotic. Like they're like, this is like not normal at all behavior. One person responded, don't you guys go to work? Which like, no one said that they didn't. 
like maybe they are in the quote unquote 5am club and wake up early and do this first before they go to work. Like, I don't get it. Uh, someone else replied, sounds like you and your husband need to get jobs. Again, she didn't say they do this all fucking day long. She just said they do do it in the morning. Well, she did say for hours in all fairness, but again, they could wake up at six, do it for two hours and then go to work. Who gives a shit? Um, someone else writes for hours, but what if you weren't inherently wealthy and had to work and stuff? LOL. Um, someone else, this is lovely, but I'm going to assume y'all have lots of money. Most people don't have the option. Again, you can wake up earlier. I don't like, I like, or like, okay, whatever. Um, I'm trying to find some of like the more unhinged responses to this. Someone wrote, that's cool. I wake up every morning and fight my way through traffic for an hour in Miami to get to work. Must be nice. I mean, that's kind of funny. Here's one that I think is really funny. Um, like actually really funny. Someone wrote, I wake up every day with chronic pain and wash my, wash my OCD medication down with an iced oat milk latte, but whatever, potato, potato, Am I right? <laughs> I mean, that is honestly really funny. So that one we will let go because if you're funny, you can do things that I will excuse. Uh, someone else, I wake up at 6 a.m. shower and go to work for a shift that is a minimum of 10 hours long. This is an unattainable goal for most people. I just want to say like, she, I don't think she was setting out goals for anyone. She was just sharing something that her and her husband do. If you don't like it, like move on. It's just like, like, okay, in real life, if you were talking to someone and she's like, my husband and I wake up every morning and have coffee on the patio and chat for hours and it's so lovely. Even if you were like, no one gives a shit or like what kind of like weird humble brag is this or like low-key annoyed and you're like cool like I wake up every day like dreading the day because I have like crippling dep depression and then I like go on to have diarrhea because I have IBS and then go to a job that I hate even if that's what you were thinking in your head in no universe would you respond with that you would just be like cool that's amazing for you congratulations or the most you would say is like I wish I could do that, but I don't because I have all these other problems. In no world would you like come at this person for saying that. Like the thing, like the, the entitlement that we have on the internet to just like the keyboard confidence to just attack people for no reason, just because your feelings are hurt. And like, I'm not like, I'm not like a right wing, like rah, rah, snowflakes, like rah, rah. No, I think like we have become a lot more conscious in society. And I think that's a really, really beautiful thing that we really do try to not trigger each other. However, at some point, if you're triggered by everything, you have to take a look internal and be like, why does this trigger me? Like what, like maybe is this aspirational? Is this something that I really wish I could have? And I don't have a life right now where I could have this and like, think like, okay, how can I bring elements of this into my life? Like maybe I could wake up an hour earlier and like sit in the garden with some fucking coffee. I don't know what to tell you, but like, this is insane. Like this amount of vitriol for someone just tweeting something innocent. Again, she wasn't saying like to live an excellent life, like you have to do this. Like I understand people who come at like wellness influencers who are like, you should wake up at 5 a.m. and do this and do this and do this like 14 step mor morning routine before you go to work. I understand people being like, you know what? That's not realistic for a lot of people. So like sit the fuck down. That I get. Again, I don't think you need to be rude about it, but like I get, but like she wasn't 
wasn't saying like you should do this. Other people have to do this. She was just sharing something that she does. And if that makes you feel bad, that's excellent. Look internal, figure out why that makes you feel bad instead of just lashing out at her. You know, it's, it's, it's too much. Anyway, line and elephant story. Okay, moving right along. I love how I was like, I'm going to get right into the questions. And instead, I'm just talking about nonsense. Um, okay, TV Rex, I really have nothing. I've heard the good nurse is good. Um, check it out. I don't know. Uh, I will probably get into it at some point, but I haven't yet. And then this morning, I was stro- scrolling Instagram, and I remembered the stunning piece of work that was early seasons of Vanderpump Rules. Truly, I would say the best reality show out there. Season two of Vanderpump Rules was a work of art. Like the fact that it wasn't, you know, (laughs) egotting, I will never understand. (laughs) And I understand it's not a play, but it's, it's Shakespearean. It should be up for a Tony just for that alone. It is like truly, truly, if you're like, I've never watched reality TV, just watch Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. I think I might have to go rewatch it from the beginning. And I've done that a few times. It is just, it's, it's like nothing else. Okay. We're going to switch gears into questions. <laughs> like really not a good transition there, but I really want to get to them because there are so many and I just want to get in as many as I can because the questions are so good. Okay. Number one. How do you deal with pressures of societal timelines, especially around the concept of peak childbearing years? <sighs> okay, this is this is a really tricky question. Like I remember, I want to say it was like summer of 2019. I was a bridesmaid in one of my best friend's weddings. And I went down for the wedding and that I was also late. Like I missed the rehearsal dinner because my flight was canceled in 2019. That was before the height of flights being canceled. My my flight was just like straight up canceled and they were trying to send me down there like after the wedding was over. And it was just an absolute shit show to get a flight in and make it in time for the wedding. Like it was so hard. And like, I'm sure so stressful. I was mainly liaising with another one of the bridesmaids being like, have a backup plan in case I can't get there and also take notes because I'm not there for the rehearsal. It all ended up fine. Beautiful, stunning wedding. I was the only person at the entire wedding and it was not a small wedding who was there single other than the bride's mom was single and the bride's brother is single. And I remember looking around every single person, all the bridesmaids, all the guests, every single fucking person had a partner. And I was like, how am I so behind in life? And I'll even take it back before that too. Like I remember even like in my mid twenties looking around and being like, everyone's already partnered up. It's like I missed the boat. It's like there was some kind of convention where everyone got partnered up and now everyone's already partnered up and I missed it. Like I missed out on my shot. Like, I truly, truly understand how you feel and how, like, especially when you go to things and everyone's partnered, it's just like, you're like, 
like what like what was I doing when everyone else found each other like I don't understand of course the answer for me is I was having a 10 year long eating disorder anyway um but yes I I really do understand how you feel now what I think is the bigger thing here because like societal timelines is one thing, right? It's like we're subject to so much societal programming. And I will say like women who partner up later are statistically happier. Um, I looking at my friends, the ones who got married young tend to be very unhappy. Like I had a really, really close friend. She was my first friend to get married and, um, you know, her husband is like evangelical Christian, which is why they got married so young. She was not. Um, although I do believe she like converted to Christianity for him. She's like pretty unhappy in her marriage. Like she won't really say it flat out, but she'll really hint at like how she's and like now they have like multiple children together and she'll kind of like hint at how she is stuck in this life that's like really unfulfilling. So women who partner up later in life are statistically happier. Like we know what we want. Like I think back if I had like met my person or settled down or whatever in my early twenties, we'd be broken up right now because I've changed so much as a person. And I think that we're constantly like growing and up leveling. I even remember like the very beginning of lockdown, like the first week I was like, damn it. Like this would be so much fun if I was like with a partner. And this was back when we thought it was going to be two weeks of lockdown. Keep in mind back when we genuinely thought it was going to be two weeks and then we get out. I was like, oh my God, like like a two week long sleepover where we just like get drunk and play games and get on Zooms with people. Like how fun would that be? And then when the two weeks ended and it started to become clear that we were not getting out after two weeks, I was like, thank fucking God, I am single. Like to be stuck in this place indefinitely with someone and have like no alone time. On top of that, like I was really using all that time to grow as a person and up level. And I specifically remember this Facebook group that I'm in, this like wellnessy New York Facebook group that I'm in. Someone asked some kind of question about it. I forget what the exact question was, but I remember what I answered. I was like, I am using this time to up level in such a big and dramatic way that I know like the person that I would like be dating right now is not the person that I would be dating a month from now because a month from now I'm going to be at a whole different level as a human being because I'm using this time to do all this internal work. And sometimes people do grow together and grow in the same direction, but a lot more often they do not. So that's kind of how I really comforted myself through all that. And then on top of that, like I realized a lot of like what I was blaming as being like societal pressures for like settling down was actually my anxious attachment coming out and like really like feeling like like getting a sense of self-worth through another person rather than through myself. So like once I worked through all those things, it went away from me, but and this is a very important but, I have never been that, like I like I have never been someone who's like, I can't wait to be a mom. Like I was vehemently against having children for a very long time. And then 
I started to soften to it, but I've never been like, I still am not like, oh my God, I can't wait to have kids. Like I still really don't want to get pregnant. Like it terrifies me. So, but like I do, I like, I think Ozzy would be such a good dad and I think we'd have so much fun, but like, I'm not in a rush to do it at all, you know? So like, it's not like for me, like if it never happened, I would be fine. So I reached out to a friend of mine who has always really wanted to be a mom. And she also, she's partnered now, but you know, she's like in her mid to late thirties and she didn't meet her person until like this year. So I thought she would be a really, really good person to talk to about this. And so I did. And so I'm going to share a bunch of things that she said that were helpful for her. So number one was like finding women that she could look up to who had children later in life, just to like remind herself and like show her subconscious that it's actually very possible. So I have made a list of women, um, in the public eye who have had children later in life. And I, uh, have the ages at which they had children. So I'm just going to lift that list them off. Naomi Watts, she had her first at 39 and then another at 41. By the way, some of these had twins. So like if there's twins, I don't know. I just have the ages of the children uh, at which they had children. Halle Berry, 41 and 47, 47 fucking years old. And she didn't even have her first until 41. Salma Hayek, 41. Rachel Zoe. Is it Zoe or Zoe? Zoe. Or so, God, okay. I don't know, it doesn't matter. Um, 39 and 42. Ava Mendez, 40. Kim Basinger, 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 Bas- wow, don't know. She's Alec Baldwin's ex, right? Or or is she um, Tom Brady's ex? Don't know, doesn't matter. 41 years old. Janet Jackson, 50 fucking years old, five, zero years old. Gina Davis, she had her first at 46 and then she may have had twins at 48 or just a second one at 48 years old. I don't know, but 46 and 48 years old. Laura Linney, she's the one who's in Ozarks and other stuff. She had a child at 49 years old, her first child at 49 years old. The reason I emphasize first child so much is because I've heard that once you start having kids, it's actually a lot easier to keep having kids. So like if you had your first child at like 35, then it's a lot easier to have a child at 45. But, and so that's why you see, like, for example, my mom had me at 33, but she had her first child at like 20. I don't know, five, six, whatever, which is like easier, they say, than having your first child. So that's why I keep emphasizing these are all women who had their first child at 39 or later. So that's like really impressive. And I'm not even done with the list. Helen Hunt, 40. Mary Stewart Masterson, 43 and 44 years old. She basically like immediately had another one by accident. She didn't even mean to. So that's like pretty crazy. And I believe at 44, she had twins. So they just have like three children that are very close in age. Um, Marsha Gay Harden, 39 and 44. 
Beverly D'Angelo, 49 years old. She had her first child at 49 years old. Jane Krakowski, 42. Um, Really what I've learned from this list more than anything else is I don't know a lot of celebrities because I barely knew anyone on this list. But listen, and these are just like celebrities, you know, like this, there are a whole world of people out there who are having children later. And it's, it's just becoming more and more common for women to have children later. So that was the number one thing my friend said, just like find like role models of people who have had children later, just to remind yourself that it is possible. And then the other thing that she said was like, focus on all of the life achievements you've had, like the things you've been able to do because of not settling down and having a family yet. So for her, it was, you know, have traveling and a lot of inner growth. For me, I think about this constantly. Like I had a lot of fun in my 20s despite, um, you know, having an eating disorder. Like I used to think about this a lot when I was in law school and I had that friend who would like... (coughs) excuse me, sorry, so unprofessional, Um, I had a friend, that friend who I mentioned who got married really young and she had like a kid when I was in law school and she always wanted to go to law school and she never did because like she did all this stuff instead. Um, And meanwhile, like I was in law school, I was like going out every Thursday, like having so much fun. Like I remember like being out and like the excitement of like, ooh, anything could happen. Like I could go home with anyone. I mean, I never went home with anyone, but just like the amount of fun that I was able to have. And then the growth for me, like there is like, yeah, like a lot of people, you know, talk about, oh, I was able to excel in my career and get here and there. But for me, the inner growth is like nothing else. Like the fact, like if I had settled down in my early twenties, I would be a completely different person now. So just think of like, focus on all of the things that you've been able to accomplish, whether it is in your career, whether it is travel, whether it is inner growth, whether it is fun or any combination of those things, all the things that you've been able to build because you haven't had a family yet. And then, um, uh, she also said learning about fertility really helped her. Um, a book I really recommend is, uh, it's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I can't remember who writes it. I guess I could look it up. Hold on. Taking Charge of Your Fertility book. Uh, Tony Weschler. Wex, what? Wesh. Okay, her name is spelled T-O-N-I, last name is W-E-S-C-H-L-E-R. In German, that would be Veshla, Veshla. Um, okay, <laughs> I mean, it's it's spelled like it is a German name, that's why I say that. Um, excellent book, uh, Woman Code is also really good. Uh, my friend recommended charting your cycle, taking your basal body temperature, specifically with charting the cycle. Um, she said that she likes to chart in an app where you input all the data yourself rather than an app that predicts when you're ovulating and getting your period and things like that. She said that putting in all the information herself was very empowering. Um, she said that she has been using Kindara, Um, And then I'm going to read the exact quote. 
I'm thinking of switching to read your body. It's fully customizable and your data is not shared with anyone ever. So much more secure. Um, and then, you know, learning about the fertility awareness method, just like really becoming in sync with your cycle and learning more about it, like gives you so much knowledge and power over fertility. Um, she also said, you know, the notion of fertility going away really isn't true. You know, these terms we use like geriatric pregnancy, et cetera, they're like really just patriarchal and um, problematic and untrue. Um, obviously, at some point it does, but it's, it's a lot longer than we've been thinking. And then the last thing that she recommended and she said helped with her was having alternate solutions in mind. So she always thought like, even if I don't meet someone by this age, I will, you know, go to a sperm bank or adopt or like have a child on my own because she always knew that she wants to have a child. So yeah, that's what I have to say on that. Um, great question. A very real thing that, you know, I think we live in a time where everyone's like, oh, just stop looking and it'll come to you and like stop thinking about it, yada, yada. And like, A, not only do I think that's not true, but like B, like we are also wired for human connection, like as human beings, and there's nothing wrong with wanting human connection. And there is, you know, that very real thing of fertility that, again, is a real thing, but I think it's less of a thing than we've been fed all this time. Okay, question number two. Do you have any communication tips, particularly any advice on how to deal with a defensive partner? Yes, I do. And <laughs> it's actually so simple. It's so simple. The words, I agree. It's shocking what you can get out of people by just using the words, I agree. Even if you say, I agree, and then go on to say something that's completely opposite to what they just said. Like, let's say, Ozzy says to me, hey, I think we should go out to dinner tonight. I could say back, I totally agree. Also, I think it would be like so fun if we just like stayed home and sat on the couch and like watched TV and like ate dinner here. And he'd probably be like, okay, sounds good. Even though I just said the exact opposite of what he said. Like we just as human beings, like it does something to us to hear the words, I agree. And really what I think it does, which is my next tip is like it, creates a team environment. And like with someone who is very defensive, I would really, really recommend approaching all conversations as a team. Like it's you and that person versus the situation rather than you versus that person. And I, like, I think this is good communication advice at all times. Like really bite the instinct to disagree with them and instead approach it as though you're agreeing and then say your piece. Like, I'm not saying just agree with them and like, don't say your piece. Like I, again, I don't know about like what the situation is, but like, let's say uh, a hypothetical, right? You 
get annoyed that your partner come like shows up late for dates or something and it like really really bothers you and they're very defensive about it is that a good example because is that something you could really be defensive about like there's well yeah you could be like well it's like it's not my fault this happened blah 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 right so instead of like you're always late it's so disrespectful of my time like yada yada instead you would be like oh my god like I know it's like so hard like there's always traffic it seems like shit always comes up for you when you try to meet up with me like it's so unfair to you like I can't believe this keeps happening to you and it also just you know makes me feel neglected and unwanted when you show up late so do you think we could come up with a solution together where you know, we don't both have to be victims of this circumstance. You see what I mean? It's like approaching it really as a team. Again, if I knew like more specifics, maybe I could give more spot on stuff. The other thing I really want to talk about is defensiveness really comes from us not being able to accept certain things about us. Like I remember um, when I was dating the comedian, He came over one day. I will like literally never forget every single detail of this day because he was like, you know, I really think that you have an eating disorder. I've been doing a ton of research and like, you know, everything that happens with you, like everything from like how fucking cold you are all the time, how you're shivering all the time. You don't get your period. The fact that I don't see you eat, like all of these things, the fact that you're super skinny, like it all seems to point towards an eating disorder. And when I tell you I saw fucking red because I was in denial about my own eating disorder. Like I wasn't even able to admit it to myself. And so like that's one example. But like another example I can give is like I if like I remember one time I was like working out with a trainer and he like wanted to schedule things in the morning and I'd always be like no the afternoon and one time he's like why do you like not wake up like in the morning like you don't wake up till the afternoon and when I tell you like I fucking raged out and here's why and this is going to be a little convoluted but just hear me out I had been part of a society that really like praised people who wake up early, right? There's like the 5 a.m. club book. There's all these like notions of like, oh, people who wake up earlier are smarter and more accomplished and more successful. So like the message that I had received was like being someone who sleeps in late is a very unlikable trait by society. And so I just started like really being in denial within myself about The fact that I really am kind of a night owl and like not much of a morning person. I really train myself to be a morning person. And then like any insinuation that I wasn't a morning person would get me to be really defensive. So like understanding where defensiveness comes from, it's the fact that like when someone gets defensive, you're pointing out something that they're in denial of even with themselves, because they've received the message from society that this is such an unlikable trait that you you have to suppress it within yourself. And whatever we repress, I thought I had like a cute fun phrase here, but I don't. Like whatever you suppress will come to control you, right? So 
If you are in the Blush Academy, when you go to the fight picking course, there is an entire module on getting defensive. And I really, really recommend it. Even if you don't have fight picking tendencies, I think everyone in the Academy should do that module because it really helps you figure out what things you're suppressing and repressing in yourself and how to integrate them so that you don't get defensive. And, um, for this person specifically, like, I don't think you should be like, hey, you should do this module of this course. <laughs> Instead, the way that I would suggest it is be like, oh my God, I just like did this module in this course and it like really, really blew my mind. I'm so curious to see what you think. Like you should do it and like we can chat about it because like whatever, like present it like that rather than like, oh my God, this is something that you really need. Now, all of this being said, I'm just going to say this once and like I'm not pressing this at all. Let's say you do all these things and it's not getting better and your partner continues to be defensive. At some point, you are going to have to think to yourself, like, how much can you put up with? And I'm not saying break up with this person. I'm not saying that at all, especially not without trying to do these things. You know what I mean? Like really trying to like approach things as a team, the I agree trick, and then pointing them to where they can get help. Again, pointing it in a very nice and gentle way and not like a you need this, but rather, oh my God, this was so helpful for me. You should give it a try. But at some point, if nothing's changing and you continue being with someone who is really defensive, like I think you need to think about because like defensiveness is one of the four horsemen. Like it's it, it like all of us are defensive, but at some point it starts to become abusive. So just keep that in mind and like keep in mind what your boundaries are and when it's going to be too much for you. Yeah, definitely try that. Like the I agree thing, I'm telling you people, try it. You'll be shocked at how much you can get in life by just telling people you agree with them, even if you go on to say something that's completely different. Okay, question number three. Also, like, have barely gotten through any of these. Maybe should I... Um, I'm going to keep going at least for the next question, but should I do the rest of the questions next week? Because there are so many good questions. Okay, Question number three, I've been through many different types of toxic relationships. My first ever boyfriend cheated on me three times and it only got worse from there. Now I'm 22 and know that's still young, but I've been with my boyfriend for almost two years and I've gotten way better at trust and letting go of my toxic behaviors I gained from previous relationships. But I'm wondering how to fully let go of past behaviors, fears, etc., especially now that I've been in such a sweet and healthy relationship for a bit. He's super communicative, but even a few weeks weeks ago, he wanted to talk through something and I automatically shut down. I don't know why. It was a kind of an out-of-body experience. I'm thankful for his patience and continuous effort in communicating with me. And we've grown a lot together, but I'm wondering how to fully let go of the toxic stuff. Okay. I love this question. I'm so happy for you that you are in this great and supportive relationship. And I also think this question really illustrates a big part of what I disagree with, um, you know, the attachment styles book called Attached. Um, like basically the solution that the book lays out is like just date someone who's secure and that's it. But it's like, 
I don't know a whole lot of people who just started dating someone secure and then like felt secure. Like I have seen it happen here and there where dating someone secure has been really healing. But for a lot of people, they still feel all of the anxiety and all of the things. It's just that they're now dating someone who's willing to put up with it. But like, you know, it is possible to actually heal from these things. So number one, it sounds like you have a lot of trauma from your past relationships. So like you need to really reprocess that trauma because like what happens when we experience trauma is our body freezes and it doesn't actually process what's happening. And then we loop back to that traumatic event all the time. And like we basically re-traumatize ourselves. So I personally have found like tools from EMDR to be really helpful for trauma reprocessing. Um, that that's kind of what I teach in my courses. Um, specifically, I don't know if you're a member of the Blush Academy, but in the attachment styles course, I kind of take you through like infancy, childhood, um, past relationships and well, not for infancy. Cause like people tend to not remember their infancy, but for like the childhood and the past relationships, there's guided meditations that actually help you reprocess any traumatic events and you would use it for like all like each individual traumatic event that comes back to you you would like use a guided meditation on that to like really reprocess it um but like whatever tools you use again i think emdr is really really great but i also wonder if there's stuff from childhood before these relationships even happened i don't know again i know nothing about the situation but a few things you said well a couple things you said to be more specific give me kind of fearful avoidant vibes and fearful avoidance usually comes from childhood trauma it usually comes from growing up in a household where your parents either fought a lot or there was like more serious abuse towards you so I wonder if there's like little things from childhood specifically the number one thing you said was like shutting down when he was communicating that's something we usually see in people who experience childhood trauma the other thing was like when he was trying to talk to you it was like an out-of-body experience that's disassociating from your body people who disassociate from their bodies are usually people who had CPTSD which is complex PTSD which is generally childhood trauma um I had really really bad CPTSD and I can tell you like I used to be completely disassociated from my body it wasn't until I did a ton of trauma reprocessing to like really work through all of the shit that happened in childhood that I was able to be like fully present in my body so again I don't know. I know nothing about your childhood, but like, think back, like, did your parents fight with each other? Was there maybe like a bit of a messy divorce? Did, did you witness your parents fight with your siblings? Like, did, like what types of chaos were present in your childhood? Again, I could be wrong, but my guess is there's something there. And like, yes, you need to reprocess the trauma from being cheated on because that is trauma. But I think you also need to go back further and reprocess all of that other trauma also. Okay, that was question number three, I believe. Um, let's maybe do one more question and then we'll do the rest of the questions next week.
does that sound good to everyone? No one can respond. So, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Uh, question number four, do you have any advice for finding a relationship in the age of online dating? Okay. So I remember in 2019, I was single, you know, uh, the comedian and I had broken up. I really, 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 really wanted to meet someone. But, you know, I also was just kind of like stuck in my ways. I didn't like I hated dating apps. Like I just feel like it just feels so unaligned. It makes me feel icky. And I also like rarely would go out and stuff. And I remember one day being like, God, he like, like, you have to go out. You have to socialize more. Like you, like, it's not like you're just going to meet someone sitting around in your apartment. Like no one's going to just like fall through the ceiling. And then I shit you not a few hours after that, like, I don't know, like 6 PM that day, my friend Peter texted me and he's like, Hey, can I come by your apartment? And I was like, sure. Come on by. And he's like, I'm bringing a friend. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah, great. Come by. And I like, I had no makeup on whatever. Peter and I were just like very platonic friends. And like, I guess he had been drinking. He's like, I just want to come smoke a joint. And I was like, sure. Come. And his friend turned out to be super cute, like super cute. We were so flirty. We exchanged information. We ended up scheduling a date. Um, although we never ended up going out. I really can't remember why, to be honest, but I remember laughing so hard because earlier that day I was like, you're not going to meet a guy just sitting around in your apartment. And then like literally hours after that, I met a guy just sitting around in my apartment. So why am I telling you this story? Because I just want to illustrate that you literally can meet people anywhere. Now, the best way to meet someone in real life is to go to a place often. It's that simple. Go to a place often, the same place often. That's how people meet at school and at work. It's the repetition. It's the fact that you're there every fucking day that gives you a chance to actually meet someone and get to know them. Now, you know, uh, if if you're listening, I'm guessing you're probably not in school anymore. Maybe you don't have an in-person job. Maybe, you know, you work remotely or whatever the situation is, those situations might not apply to you. Do you have any hobbies or interests that you can pursue on a consistent basis? Are there any courses you'd want to take, like a cooking class that meets weekly, like something that meets consistently, maybe a language class? Um, I don't know, Kabbalah. I once wanted to take Kabbalah classes, but then um, the pandemic hit and it just never happened. Whatever it is, um, like maybe like a gym, maybe like boxing classes, like what interests do you have and where could you frequent? Even if it's like, I think this is less good than like taking a class, but like if you just go to the same bar all the time, at some point you're going to get to know people like coffee shop. You're going to see people who are also going to the same coffee shop all the time, yoga studio, you know, whatever it is that interests you. And also think about the type of guy you want to meet. Like, do you want to date someone who's into yoga? I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Ozzy actually does yoga. Like I'm not shitting on it at all, but do keep that in mind. Um, but like literally the key to meeting someone in person, like the most successful way is to go to the same place often. 
Now, going back to my apartment story, you can meet people anywhere. And I would really challenge you when you're just living your day-to-day life, like you're walking on the street, you're on the subway, you're in the parking garage, you're you know at the supermarket, whatever it is that you're doing in your day-to-day life, just start talking to people that you find attractive. And you know what? If that's really scary for you, start talking to people who you don't find attractive. And then once you start getting practice and just talking to people, then start approaching people that you do find attractive. In the early stages of this podcast, I, like for podcast research purposes, started doing this all the time. And I was meeting guys left, right, and center because I was just forcing myself to talk to guys. Guys fucking loved it. I went out on a date with a guy who was seven feet tall, seven feet tall. Do you know how gigantic his penis was? Although we never hooked up. I don't know why I made it sound like that. We went out on one date. And he couldn't get his legs under the table because he's so tall. He was so hot. Very nice guy. Very sweet, like French guy. Turns out he was 23. And so I was like, "Mm, yeah, okay, this is like really not going to go anywhere. Although the last person he had dated was like 39 years old and she was 4'11". And I was like, okay, so you have a type. You like older, short women. This is interesting about you. But I remember he was like going on and on on our date about how excited he was that I started talking to him and how he told all his friends and like they couldn't believe like this girl just like started talking to him and like how hot it was and like how like they were so jealous that it didn't like just talk to people you find attractive like it's it's fascinating how easy it'll go um back to that guy's penis though so after our first date I was like okay well I'm not going out with him again because like I'm looking for a real relationship and I'm not going to date a 23 year old child because I'm not creepy so that's a non-starter even though I will say he was very mature for his age I think it's because he's French um but then I was like I'm just I need to know what his penis looks like because like he's seven feet tall like what is it some kind of like donkey dick like I'm just so curious I'm just I'm a curious person about human behavior and human anatomy I just need to know I I have a lot of questions and so I was like okay like how can I see his penis without ever going out with him again da, da, da. and then finally I was like oh duh I'll just ask for a dick pic so I asked him to send me a dick pic and he did and it was very large it was it was a stunning beautiful penis um <laughs> okay but yeah really just like try approaching people now the last thing I want to say on this is Why did you ask this question? Because based on the wording, it sounds to me that maybe you've had some bad experiences with online dating. Like it sounds like you're not a fan of online dating. And I, you know, I will say this. I do say I, I say I will say this a lot, right? Like a lot. Should that be our drinking game? Okay. I will say this. I don't know how to not say it. That's what I'm learning. I don't know how to not say it. Like there are just certain linguistic crutches that we have that we just cling on to. And like, I don't know how to not say this. Okay. Anyway, there are a lot of cons with dating apps. I will not deny that at all. I think the number one is decision fatigue. If you're not familiar with decision fatigue, it's this concept that like the more decisions that we make, um, the harder of a time we have making good decisions. And like on top of that, we find that like having more options often makes us unhappier and like makes us unhappier with our choices. Uh, you know, quite the opposite of like what the entire premise of capitalism is, right? Like more choices means more happiness. We actually find that people are less satisfied with their choices and less happy overall when they have more choices, right? 
dating apps just seem to present us with like a a never ending slew of options. And it kind of leaves us being like, oh, I don't know. And I get it. It can be frustrating, right? With dating apps, I always say it's like a funnel kind of like, are you familiar with a sales funnel where like, it's like, you know, there's a certain number of people who go to your website, an even smaller number of people who will look at items, an even smaller number of people who put an item in the cart, and then an even smaller number of people who actually check out, right? It's the same with dating apps. It's like there's the people that you swipe right on, and then there's a smaller number of people that you actually match with, and then there's an even smaller number of people that there's even a message exchanged with, and then a smaller number of people where there's multiple messages exchanged with. There's an even smaller number of people that you get off the apps with. And then there's a much, much smaller number of people that you actually meet up with. I mean, it's like 1% of the people that you swiped on probably. And then an even smaller number of people that you actually get off with. I get it. I get how all of that is fucking exhausting. I really like, I'm not minimizing this, but at the same time, I want to go back to an analogy that I make often. So I'm sorry if you've heard it before, but I just think it's so fucking good. If you needed to hire a plumber, let's say the toilet's broken, a pipe burst, I don't know. I don't know exactly what plumbers do, but I think it relates to water, right? A pipe burst, you need a plumber. You would probably, you know, go on Yelp or like Google how to find a plumber, right? Like you would just go the most direct route of finding a plumber. Now, is it possible that you could find a plumber another way? There are endless ways to meet a plumber, right? It's entirely possible that you could be talking to a friend and your friend would be like, oh my God, I know this really good plumber. Like, I don't know if you have plumbing needs, but like, I know a really good plumber, right? And your friend hooks you up with her plumber. Or maybe even ask friends if they know a good plumber and someone might put you in touch, Um you know, you might walk down the street and see a plumber. You might go to an event and meet a plumber. You might be at the grocery store and bump into a plumber. All of these things could happen. But my guess is if you have a broken pipe and you really fucking need a plumber, you're going to go the most direct route of hiring a plumber. And the most direct route is just like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know like I guess Googling a plumber, right? That's probably the most direct route. With meeting people, the most direct route these days is online dating. Everyone's there, they're single, they're ready to mingle. It's the most direct route. I'm saying it has to happen that way. Of course not. There are any number of ways that you could meet someone. And, you know, going back to the friends thing, you should tell your friends that you're looking for people and to keep an eye out for you. Like, I have heard that the average billionaire has seven streams of income. I think if you are someone who's single and wants to be uh, mingling, you should have seven streams of potential people coming in. You should keep your eyes peeled on the streets at all time. You should talk to people. You should frequent places. You should tell your friends And I think you should be on dating apps. I think you should have all of the options available to you. 
because you don't know how it's going to happen. And lastly on this, like if part of your hesitation is like you want the Disney cute story, like, oh my gosh, like I was grabbing cabbage and he was grabbing romaine and we bumped into each other and it was love at first sight. That's amazing. That's great. But like you can have a really cute story on a dating app. Also, Ozzy and I technically met on Bumble, but we have a really cute story that like spans over years of us not actually meeting and like funny texts that we were exchanging and like ended up meeting like in the funniest way. And it was a really cute story. So like you can still have a cute story, but then on top of that, it's like, do you care more about, and I know you haven't said you care about the story. I just, I know this applies to a lot of people where it's like, they want to meet someone in a cute and kismet way. Wouldn't you rather have like an amazing relationship than have a cute and kismet meeting story? So in conclusion, you can meet people quite literally anywhere. You just have to be like open and available and like go for it a little bit. Uh, the best way to meet someone offline is to go to a place often, literally just go to the same place often. That really is, that's how people historically met. There were town squares that people were frequenting. There were, you know, third places, they call them, where people would tend to go other than work and home. There was generally, you know, a small town, neighborhood bar, coffee shop. You know, you ran your errands in person. Everyone was in this town square together. That is how people historically would meet. Um, and yeah, like I think approach people all the time when you find them attractive, let people in your community know that you're single and looking so they can put you in touch, you know, if they think they know someone for you. But the biggest thing is look at why it is that you seem to have some hesitancy around online dating. Because I think if you can just reframe that, like for me, I would just get the ick. And I think a lot of it is just like not really like being in touch with myself as a grown sexual woman. And like, I don't know, like having pick me tendencies and wanting to like wanting things to fall into my lap without actually wanting to go for them. So I don't know, look at why it is that you have hesitancy around dating apps and I would work through it while also approaching all these other ways to meet people. Okay, um, I know we've only gone through like four or five questions. We'll pick up the rest of them next week. The questions are so fucking good. So make sure to tune in next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you took something from this episode, please share it with someone who you think would appreciate it. Please share it with someone who you think wouldn't appreciate it. I don't care why you share it, just share it. But seriously, rate, review, subscribe leaving a review. It's like 60 seconds out of your life, but it helps me so much. So if you are listening and you're like, oh my God, I'm getting so much good content every week, please right now, just take two minutes, go write a nice five-star review. It helps me. It helps the show. It helps me be able to continue doing the show. Share it in your Instagram stories. You know the drill. Love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Bye.